ghosts are horny. Spooky. Revisiting female violence. <laughs> that could be any of these episodes. I, I hate to bring up bugs. <laughs> Once again, I have to bring up bugs. Six quick and easy steps for your common demon summoning. I accept this headcanon. Liberal propaganda. Damn cucks. This is a John Winchester hate zone. Could have had mm-hmm. Killer Optimus Prime and he had to be racist. To be fucking racist. Persqueeter. Welcome to On the Road with Supernatural, the podcast where we watch and discuss Supernatural episode to episode from the beginning. I'm Jasper Graydon. I'm Jordan Grimm. And I'm Allie. And we'll be your hosts for this Monster of the Week journey through American folklore and Christian mythology. Tell me about your absolute worst nightmare apartment. If you guys didn't know, we live in Columbus, Ohio. Eh. And I'm (laughs) going with the first apartment I ever moved into Mm -hmm. when I moved here. It was a really old building, and my friends and I thought it would be a good idea to move three people into what was an apartment. They listed it as a quote-unquote two-bedroom. It was pretty much a one-bedroom and a small office. I couldn't fit a bed and a desk in my room, and so I had to build, like, one of those loft beds. I'm 6'3". I'm very tall. So I would have to climb up into the bed, like slowly, like (laughs) slither into it because I was so close (laughs) to the ceiling. But the worst was I woke up at like three in the morning one time and I went to get off the bed and I would take a step and then I had like a chest that I would jump onto. And I don't know what happened, but I jumped onto the chest And the chest rolled out from under me and I fell off the loft (gasps) into a radiator. And I fell on my ass so hard that in the top of the metal radiator, it left (laughs) a permanent ass print. I'm so sorry, but that's so amazing. Wait, okay, hold on. But I knew that you had jumped in the radiator, but I didn't know that was how that happened. Yes. Well, and that place is horrible, too, because of the radiators, and they run, like, most of the year, Mm -hmm. and, like, in order to be able to breathe in there, you had to have the windows open. Yeah, so... And it smelled like the fish and chips place right next door. Yeah, it was... The radiators blew at full blast, and, of course, they never turned them on until, like, November, (laughs) so if it was really cold in, like, October or early November, you were just kind of screwed. when it used to get cold in, like, September, October. Doesn't anymore. Not anymore. Thanks, global climate change. But, yeah, you would have to um, open the window, and then, yeah, you would just have the draft of fish. What about you, Allie? My first apartment in Columbus was right on High Street. It was an awesome location, but it was a half of a double, and it was five of us in a pretty small space. Oof. What the fuck? But that's not the bad part. Two of the girls stayed from the year before, and both of them had studied abroad in Spain the year before, but different semesters. So one's dating this guy, and... Then she goes abroad and breaks up with him. Oh, no. And then when she's gone, the other starts dating him. Oh, no. Oof. And then she leaves. And then I believe the first, like, starts dating him again. And it's they don't really know. And then I move in when everyone comes home (gasps) and realizes that they had both been sleeping with this guy. Not at the same time. 
Yeah, but, but he clearly wasn't forthright about yeah. it. Yes. It was very weird, and, like, they were cool with it, but it was very awkward. And it was them on a floor, plus one girl in basically a closet. Like, I'm not kidding, it didn't have doors. Um, and then me on the top floor with this alcoholic just complete alcoholic who we still make fun of her boyfriend because the walls were thin and i'd always hear them have sex and he would like giggle during sex so my friends will go at me because that's what he sounded like (laughs) in the middle of sex he'd be like do you like this so maybe it wasn't even the house not a fucking seth rogan laugh was she having sex with barney rubble like what the hell (laughs) it was terrible and so it's not even like that house itself it was just a really weird situation and my first year not living in a dormer at home so i got the fuck out of there the next year wow my worst one was probably this place that i lived in when i was like maybe 22 or 23 and it was with a bunch of my friends but (laughs) i didn't get to see the place before moving in but like the person i was seeing at the time did and so did one of my other soon-to-be roommates and they said it was like fine or whatever so we go to move in and you walk down the hall and a big cloud of bugs follows you down the hall just like a cloud of fleas jumps after you yep and like there were so many you you could see them all jumping together when i say cloud i literally mean like it looked like a puff of dust. Like, it was disgusting. And I was super pissed at my roommates for not realizing that it was completely infested with fleas. Like, how do you not fucking notice that when you're doing a walkthrough? And then our landlord was like, not my problem, essentially. <laughs> oh, my God. And, yeah, uh, would not help us pay for any of the shit we had to buy oh to... Mm-hmm. And then on top of that... My roommates wouldn't split the cost of the shit we had to buy to get the fleas out either. And, like, I was like, wow, great. So I just paid an extra flea removal Mm -hmm. deposit, essentially. Oh, my God. It was really horrible. What's so frustrating about that, too, is, by the way, Diatomaceous Earth no longer works on the fleas, at least the ones in Ohio. Learn that the hard way. Really? I didn't know that. They only work on, like, ants and stuff. The fleas, specifically the fleas in the... Oh, my God, they've uh, evolved. Yeah, in the American Midwest are too small for diatomaceous earth. I hate that so much. Yeah, we have um, super fleas here for some reason. Uh, And the biggest bed bug problem in the country, as far as I'm aware. Maybe that's why it's so cheap here. (laughs) Well, it used to be so cheap here. Now it's super fucking expensive. Yeah, just in the past two, three years. For all those uh, young professionals that apparently exist and can afford 2K for a studio per month. (laughs) Like, I'm a young professional, but I don't get paid jack shit. Right. I don't fucking know. Who the the, fuck can pay that? When the only option is to throw away your whole paycheck Mm -hmm. to, like, be able to live under a roof. People just have to do it. That's America. Love that. Happy episode. (laughs) (laughs) Today's episode is season two, episode six, No Exit, the one where Dean gets a mini-me. This episode was written by Matt Witten and directed by Kim Manners and originally aired on November 2nd, 2006. 
So this cold open was, it wasn't bad. I liked that it was pretty campy. It was. I love practical effects. Although mm-hmm. it seemed like there might have been some, like a little bit there of CGI. There was one CGI and it was the worst CGI so far in the season. Well, we're only six episodes in, so. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Save that award. But like the goo in general. I like oh, that it was physical the ghost I thought it was barbecue sauce. No. It's no. so fucking thick. What kind of barbecue sauce? Because that was like thick as molasses. And it was black. And it was black. I've never <laughs> had barbecue sauce. Have you never seen it? <laughs> Apparently not. I just thought it was barbecue sauce. Goodness. And I'm like, that's a glob. No, it was ghost cummies. Can I just say, though, that, like, this cold open might have been all right, but that woman's eyebrows were not. No. That was some sins against eyebrows so her going on. eyebrows were just 10 years behind because there was, like, that mm-hmm. obsession of, like, the 90s does the 1920s where they wanted to, like, do mm-hmm. that pencil brow. And most people, like, got over it by this point in time. Right. Not her. No, she, she was living that well, life. Well, maybe she just, like, overplucked so bad that her eyebrows stopped coming in, right? Because, like, that is a thing that happened to many elder millennials. And I don't feel like brow pencils were, like, as big back then either. Oh, God, no. We didn't know how to do it. No. No one knew how to do makeup at all until, like, (laughs) we had graduated high school. (laughs) Well, I think it was, like, 2015 was, like, the makeup resurgence. Mm -hmm. Right. We're just, we're still in it. God bless YouTube. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) There wasn't anything like that on YouTube when it first started when we were in, like, early high school or late <laughs> middle school like there was literally like the Numa Numa dance yeah. and that's it <laughs> and if you like looked up a makeup tutorial it would be like how to look like Catherine from the Vampire Diaries oh, a tutorial no. <laughs> well I'll, that wasn't even out yet so it would have been even worse true, it would true. have been like how to look like Gerard Way <laughs> oh my god <laughs> whenever I did those two I always looked like I got punched in the eye cause I'm too white right and we did not know how to do anything well and I mean that was just like like the style Mm -hmm. at the time i did it i had raccoon eyes i remember i just couldn't get over like her face just looks abnormally small like maybe she has a small head Mm. you all really dissecting this lady's (laughs) face i can't even remember it i just remember her sinful eyebrows i remember the eyebrows i do want to say the set reminds me a lot of the set in chicago in shadow in shadow yeah yeah. it looks exactly Mm -hmm. the same exactly yeah I think that's fine. Me too. Save your money. (laughs) Yeah, true. Save those dollars. Especially for like an apartment building. Yeah, like who cares? Yeah. Um, Those are generic anyway. They're in the city. There's exposed brick. That's how you can tell. I have one like immediate red flag and then one immediate green flag for the start too. Red flag, catfight comment from Dean. Yeah. Yeah. But generic green flag nebraska is for lovers corn t-shirts okay that was so good and honestly i know that moment seems so random but it actually really seems to have a lot of deeper meaning for what's going on in the episode yeah Yeah. because they're like the nuclear family Mm -hmm. all matching they've got the two babies and she's also pregnant and they're Mm -hmm. spending normal family time traveling together they're in harmony obviously Mm -hmm. That's what the matching shirts can tell us. I actually liked this whole scene between Ellen and Joe because when they were fighting, I was like, oh my God, this is going to be another John Grief episode. I can't handle it. And luckily it didn't harp on it too much. It had remnants, like a little bit of seasoning of 
mm-hmm. John stuff, but it wasn't like in your face. Um, it was enough to make me mad, though. <laughs> it, it was. Well, and that was the scene to me, correct me if I'm wrong, felt like a parallel, but an opposition. So where John had these expectations of, especially with Sam, like you don't go to school, like you were to yeah. hunt. And here we have the opposite with Ellen and Joe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ellen isn't listening to what Joe wants, but I will say it's a little more understandable to not want your child to go throwing themselves into danger. Right, exactly. And then put together with, in the previous episode, how Ellen seems to have been very accepting and understanding of them, Mm -hmm. it definitely positions that character as sort of like an anti-John. Yes. In a lot of ways. And I love how they transitioned with the Mother Told Me song when they leave that scene and go on into the scene with just Dean and Sam. That cheap trick song. Yes. I was like, oh man, once again playing like... The right music? Good music. Good mm-hmm. music and real music. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> who's not your like someone who's, who's your daddy. daddy. <laughs> oh my God. I will never move past Not that. like someone's garage band friend who yes. they're trying to like promote on Supernatural. <laughs> Hey, my buddy Dale, he has this EP. It's fire, man. I love when music Where is connected is to it. Where is the Roadhouse? Is it in Nebraska? Oh, it is in Nebraska. I should know that. They just Where wore the shirts. Nebraska? Did you just ask, where's Nebraska? (laughs) (laughs) Is it like mid-country? Because it should be somewhere middle so they can like not have to drive out of the way. It's like one state south of South Dakota. That's too far north. No, it's not. It's oh. right in is the... It's a country. Kansas is like the dead center of the country. Mm. Nebraska is one state up. Okay. I'm not going to lie. I did think Nebraska was where Wyoming is. I so I'm glad I looked this up. I, I kind of like deleted Nebraska from my brain. I was thinking Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, South, North Dakota. Well, now everyone knows where Nebraska is. I'm glad we've all learned something today. We we assume they're in Nebraska based on the Nebraska tourist shirts. We don't even yeah. have we don't food. I don't even know if that's real. I was just curious because traveling is a little disorienting yeah. in this show sometimes. Which, like, to make the narrative happen, like, they need to be able to get around. And no one wants to watch them just, like, driving. I mean, I probably would. I would love to see some scenes of them driving where they're not having, like, a deep emotional conversation. And they're also not, like, arguing about something or giving exposition about the case for the episode. Like, I want scenes of them just bickering about stupid Mm -hmm. stuff. Or playing road games. Anyway... Sam's hair is looking very nice in this episode. Yeah. He wasn't around very much, but his hair looked good. Yeah, very good. Yeah, he feels like a ghost because you just like see a whisper of him walk by and then he's just he's the ghost of exposition and like yes. true crime facts. <laughs> he just floats in and is like, here's some dialogue to move the story along. Okay, goodbye. I was like <laughs> thinking, I'm like, man, to be an actor in this episode, like to play. Sam, he probably got to show up, get his full billing, mm-hmm. and have, like, three lines. But it was a good week for him. Especially with the broken arm. Yeah. yeah oh, true. yeah. I wish he was around more, honestly. I think, like, the fact you point out in the beginning that there's, like, a direct contrast. Yes. Um, Foil. With the Ellen. Hey, there we go. All those words that I'm supposed to know because I have a fucking English degree. Um, It didn't get me far. (laughs) Oh my god. Sorry. I mean, it's not going to get me anywhere either. I'm a fucking poet. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't know. 
so because they start the episode foiling Ellen and um, Joe with the John and Sam relationship, so I, you know, it would have made sense, I think, Mm -hmm. to have Joe and Sam interact a little bit more. Plus, like, I don't know if Joe has said a single word to Sam, except for maybe the first encounter when they meet Joe and Ellen and get their, like... Yeah, I mean, they make it very clear that she is very fixated on Dean. So, I mean, there's that. I do like that Sam's never whiny about taking second fiddle. He just chills in the background. I mean... That we know that of we at know this of. point. But like with Joe, there's never competition. He's just like, yeah, cool. I like it. I like a passive Oh, you mean, you mean like competition to be like in charge of where the investigation is going? Or? Mm, I mean more so like he sees Dean bonding with Joe. Oh, And yeah. it doesn't like come across as needing to put himself in that situation. Right. I I don't think Sam really witnesses the two of them bonding, though. What he does witness is them bickering over the, like, case files and, like, the phone call. He has this little, ugh, Dean, you're being annoying, Mm -hmm. just, like, shut up for a minute face. But, yeah, he is not there for most of the conversations (laughs) that they have. And even at the end, when Joe is, like angry with Dean mm-hmm. and then storms off Sam is still standing by the car like he's yeah. not in that conversation either so I don't know I don't know that I totally agree there like I feel like the writers have spent a lot of time developing Dean and his feelings about mm-hmm. his father I do not feel like Sam has gotten that same attention thus far in this season and that may change right. later but as of now right i do feel like this was a moment to pull more out of sam sam's the middle child the youngest being vengeance so <coughs> no one cares about him so he's passed up by the writers Don't. his father it's just Poor Sam. middle child syndrome that is not our opinion by the way that is just it's my opinion as a middle child I like him. I think his character is lacking, and I don't think that's on his character or the acting. I think that's on the writing. Of course, it depends on the season. Because he's a middle child. In any event, in any event, that whole scene where Ellen is like, yeah, you guys take this case because I don't want my daughter doing it. We didn't actually talk about the dialogue in that scene. I am really appreciative of the fact that despite that we start the episode with some very weird comments about women from Dean, mm-hmm. the cat fight, and then the yeah. Katie Holmes thing, yeah. which I think maybe that was just more to place you in the cultural moment, but mm-hmm. in any event. Like, while he doesn't assume that Joe has done the work of putting this case together, he's, like, respectful of it once he looks through it. And then I love the way they immediately position Joe as an outsider the same way that Sam and Dean are within, like, normal society, quote-unquote, shows that line, I was just a freak with a knife collection. Yeah. This easily could have been, Dean is like, oh, she's, like, a girl, And, like, she's been able to figure this all out on her own. She's, like, a young, dumb girl. Mm -hmm. But the episode made it very clear to be, like, he's not impressed because she's a girl. Or it's because, like, she's an amateur and she shows, like, a lot of promise. Yeah. Which I And we can definitely revisit their dynamic. Allie wants to talk about ectoplasm. I do. So the first way they know it's a ghost is there is ectoplasm in the light switch. But also 
Sam's like, this is such a rare thing. So I just wanted to bring up ectoplasm before we pass on because it's yeah. really weird to me they bring it up. Um, they do talk about Ghostbusters. They make a quick reference. And obviously ectoplasm's in that. But ectoplasm is from spiritualism. And it is the spiritual energy exteriorized by physical mediums. This was like widely disproved. It was often just tissue paper or cornstarch. And then it was used later on in Ghostbusters, but in a very like comedic way, like it doesn't have a huge purpose and I haven't really seen it in other films. So it just felt interesting to throw this in because it's something that is random and not really relevant to most spooky things. I do like how it's utilized here, though, to emphasize the point that this is, like, an old and very angry Mm. and very powerful spirit. A super haunting. Yeah. A super mad ghost. That's one thing I really liked about this episode, because we've seen a lot of ghosts, and I do think Mm -hmm. that they built up a good atmosphere and made the ghosts feel like a threat. Yeah, to build on that, I think this is one of the only episodes that's so far in the series to this point that's actually a little bit scary. Mm -hmm. Yes. I'm not scared by horror movies or TV basically at all, but I think what makes this creepy is like the attention to practical effects. So like there's the ectoplasm, which is actually goo, except for like that one weird moment where it is CG'd for some reason. Mm -hmm. And they do like the makeup on the guy's arm and the nasty fingernails and like all of that stuff. And the narrow spaces in the walls. It's just very good at making it actually kind of scary. And part of that is like in its simplicity, I think. Mm -hmm. It's not overwrought, especially, and because it's also a serial killer, and this episode is orbiting this violence against women Mm -hmm. and sexualized violence, Mm -hmm. which is mostly implicit here, Mm -hmm. it's building on real-world terror instead of the more kitschy kinds of ghosts that we saw in the first season, so... If I'm thinking about, like, the ghost in Provenance, for example, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. there's nothing that would make me be actually scared of, like, a little girl ghost, like, like Sweeney Todding me at at any point. Yeah. It's fair. But I think the terror of being abducted and held captive by Mm -hmm. a man. And specifically targeted, too. Yeah. That's a very real fear, and they don't need a lot of accoutrements to build on that, and the choice not to dress Mm -hmm. it up with a whole lot of stuff was a very smart one. Sorry that took me so long to (laughs) explain. (laughs) I completely agree, except the ectoplasm, because I think everything builds up, where to me, especially with the dripping, like, that feels so overdone and, like, takes away from this really good storytelling and about the fear that women have, rightfully so, about society. So I think that's my gripe with it, is it just felt like everything else lines up and is effective Mm -hmm. when that's just kind of, like, like, I like that they made this the boss-level ghost (laughs) instead of the generic ghost, but I wish they had it done in a way that wasn't so cliched as... I. Something's I, dripping on me. I get what you're saying, but I do get what what you're saying with they did immediately go in and tell us it was a super powerful ghost instead of just letting it feel. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. it's like when they find sulfur on things, it's yeah. like an 
easy way to mm. just get right on to what they're doing. So yeah. it's something that, like, narratively I can kind of excuse. Yeah. And as someone who gets, like, grossed out by gunk mm. easily, <laughs> like the scene where Joe is in the narrow space yes. and there's all of the ectoplasm dripping yeah. around her, like, that's... Yeah. That's yucky. Oh, I think that is so much grosser. Yeah, I think it's just the drip. The drip to me takes away from all the rest. They did employ, uh, in the cold open, they Mm -hmm. did employ the ectoplasm very similarly to how they would employ, like, a blood drip. Yes. So, okay, yeah. No, that I understand. That I get. So this is when Sam and Dean get to the apartment. And then they scope it out. And then Mm -hmm. when they're leaving, that's when they run into Joe, pretending to be an interested fire in the apartment yeah i i'm amused and also i must cringe at the way that she jumps to pretend that dean is her boyfriend <laughs> yes i'm like oh honey it's kind of been established that joe is very interested in dean mm-hmm. and dean isn't necessarily reciprocating those feelings but i do also think that maybe she was like trying to put him on the spot and whiplash him into like being forced mm-hmm. to agree with her plan right so exactly. yeah i thought that was a pretty fun mm-hmm. moment it's just of course that she picks dean when yeah. she could yes. have done she could have done that to sam yes. and it probably would have been more natural or a bigger fuck you <laughs> yeah i would have loved that i also it makes me question like is this landlord creepily only choosing blonde white skinny girls right as his tenants yeah it oh, feels the weird real monster he was here. another thing is it too. the ghost of hh holmes or is it landlords landlords it's, oh, land- always, it's always landlords. landlords it's landlords we thought we were talking about real threats in the beginning of the episode <laughs> yeah. oh but here's something that i thought was kind of out of character and like could have easily been a job for sam to like bring him into the episode I feel like in previous episodes, when they have, like, for example, like, the children in the streak episode, mm-hmm. where they're like, oh, these people are being targeted specifically by this creature, why wouldn't they try to evacuate <laughs> or, like, point, yeah. like find out where all of, like, the skinny blonde women live, yes. go knock on the doors, pretend to be a delivery man? Right. I just, like... And just be like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Especially because until, like, Joe was captured in the beginning, they were just kind of like, when the second girl got captured, there was, like, no urgency to Mm -hmm. save her. They were just like, oh, she's probably dead. That's what it felt like. When she's alive later, I was like, what the fuck? I thought they just assumed. Yeah. (laughs) Because they're really, like, low-key slow investigating until Joe. Well, I mean, it's only been a day. True. It's them realizing that who the ghost is mm-hmm. that makes them realize that the yeah. other girl is probably alive in the first place. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, personally, in their shoes, if there's some sort of fucking nasty serial killer ghost, I'm gonna assume that anyone who's missing is dead, probably. I would, too. Like, so... No, I agree. Since Joe is now on the scene with them, I want to point out her outfit Mm -hmm. for this. So it's like a very femininely cut plaid with with jeans. But also she's wearing this like horrible, like green colored jacket. Mm -hmm. But it looks almost exactly like the one that Dean is Mm -hmm. wearing. Just again, with like more of a waist. Yeah, to it's like, it. oh, it's girl boss, Dean. <laughs> oh my god. 
Dean is a girl boss. Yeah, Dean's already a girl boss. I stand. But Dean doesn't know it. Doesn't he though? Yet. (laughs) But yeah, I love that little visual cue there that she's just very. Yeah. Yeah. Like wants to be that. Mm -hmm. What did you feel about the chauvinistic fight? Which one? The first one where she first gets there and she's like, you don't think that a woman can do this. I love her character and I I do think like I love seeing her fight. It just felt like so soon that it kind of felt like I'm a woman. Here are my pro-women lines. It felt like almost canned. I guess I think given his reaction to her Mm. earlier at the roadhouse where he was Mm -hmm. like assuming that she didn't put the case together herself and then there's this extreme emphasis on the fact that she's ellen's only daughter true uh like i think it's fair of her to assume but you're not talking about the character you're talking about no just the lines the lines feel kind of canned i think there's enough like i think there's just enough Mm -hmm. for it to not Mm -hmm. feel that way to me that's fair. Especially because of the way they deconstruct it. Mm-hmm. Honestly, after <laughs> children shouldn't play with dead things, I was like, good job, Story. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I True. was like, oh. Has a solid narrative arc and it makes sense. That is yeah. an improvement. Well, and there's there's multiple women in the episode with, mm-hmm. with speaking roles who yeah. interact with each other. Mm-hmm. So that helps, too. Is this when they start to talk about, like, the job of being a hunter itself. Mm-hmm. Kind of. They just yeah. sprinkle it in at first. Yeah, it's right around when Ellen calls because he's like grilling her about like, oh, where does your mom think you are? And like, you shouldn't lie to your mom and like all that stuff. So this Which was... like, Rich coming from Dean, who's always like telling Sam we should lie about this, that, and the other thing, you know? Also, the one like icky thing, it's not bad writing, it's actually good writing, but like, the fact that Ellen was only down Dean's throat and, like, not Sam's. Oh, my God. I feel like this is the Dean is John yes. type yeah. storyline. And they're kind of mirroring it here with the way that Ellen interacts with Dean in this episode. And I just really... Let's, was... let's revisit that at yeah. the end. Let's revisit that. The... But it is interesting that she calls Dean on mm-hmm. the phone, not Sam. Yes. Well, and then um, Dean is the only one that has any stakes in Joe's safety too, because all of Ellen's wrath is focused on Dean, like not Sam at True. all, which is just kind of something interesting. I noticed. Yeah. 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 And again, we'll bring that up later. I actually was fine with him saying like, don't lie to your mom. Cause in this, I thought it really did a good job of showing how he definitely doesn't understand what it's like to have a mother and how you can't just right. all the time be respectful and vice versa. She doesn't understand the reality of having a father and how shitty that experience can be. Right. Um, on top of that, like I said, it's it's different from his usual emphasis mm-hmm. on lying here. What he's trying to tell her is that she has a choice mm-hmm. where he never had one. Yes. Like, yeah, so I, she, she has autonomy to mm-hmm. go do something safe and worthwhile with her life like outside of this if she wants but that's not something that he got to have and and that's why 
it's like uncomfortable for him that she's lying mm-hmm. about it. Like, why would you lie to someone who honestly cares about you like that? And here's kind of another funny thing about that line. It again kind of mirrors Ellen and Joe fighting because it's like Joe is very obviously interested in Dean, but in this episode, Dean is kind of mothering Joe. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, so I just thought that was like so funny. It was like, Dean is the mother and the father. <laughs> Always. No! <laughs> He is, though. (laughs) But he's actually, most of all, in this episode, he's on Joe's side. Yes. More than anything else. Yeah, it feels like a learning experience from both of them, where they've always wished, but now they get to see what the reality would have Mm -hmm. been if they had grown up with that parent they were missing. So I love that personal growth for each of them. This moment is actually, like, the start of where... I really feel like there is no romantic interest on Dean's end. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's actually, like, exactly this scene. And even the later one where they're talking about their dead dad trauma. Yeah. <laughs> um, because he is too earnest with her, mm. you know? And the way he talks to her is very... I mean, like you said, it's... It, it's he takes on this role of being like a guide and that almost feels parental but i think really more than anything feels like an older sibling yes yeah with her it feels like idolization of like an older sibling rather than a romantic connection yes exactly and i think that's really mirrored in the costuming yeah yeah like with Cassie in season one, it's not like she was wearing anything that made it seem like she was outside of the realm of someone that Dean could be interested mm-hmm. in or like could be involved in his weirdo life. Like Becky mm-hmm. in Skin, for example, yeah. who was like very like high femme, all these crazy accessories and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Cassie was like muted, palette, sensible clothing, but she didn't dress like like Dean, Joe dresses exactly like the and, whole episode. And I think even more so, like, Sam often wears those outfits. True. So that, to me, felt like why Sam was absent so much. Because it's not even that Sam was absent. It was just, like, Joe took on his role as the mm. younger sibling. Yeah. So I really like how the parallel goes between not just Dean, but also with that younger sibling role. I, I just really like this. Yeah, and I think the the moment you were talking about where she accuses Dean of being a chauvinist mm-hmm. and he has the this ain't gender studies moment. <laughs> Yay! But that to me makes it even less of like a romantic mm-hmm. intimacy because what he's revealing in this moment is that he isn't thinking of her in like this really feminine mm-hmm. space. He's thinking of her like a child mm-hmm. or that's someone he has to look out for. Yeah. And that to me just does not feel like romantic interest in the slightest. Oh, yeah, at all. I'm sorry, I'm on my they have a sibling dynamic high mm-hmm. horse again. I don't know. I don't I don't even feel like we're fighting about it, but I no. feel like I'm in a fight. <laughs> I and it's not that I don't appreciate Joe because I fucking love Joe. I think she's one of the strongest characters, especially for females in the show. Oh yeah, absolutely. I adore Joe. I just think yeah, there's no relationship setup of them as partners. Like it's very much in a more platonic familial sure. learning under someone 
type of way. That was what I was most interested when watching this episode where it was mm-hmm. Joe being like a little bit of a metaphor for if Dean had had that option mm. to like start his own journey. Like would he have? I don't know. Yeah, would he have chosen yeah, exactly. to go hunt? I thought that was just a, a really clever way to use a character like Joe. But if we want to rein it back into the episode, I think the next scene is where they're walking past the vent. We get the creepy fingers, which I thought was pretty cool. Amazing. Yes, I do love that. I think the one thing that undercuts the creepiness of that moment is the fact that they show it from inside the vent. I think if it had just been like sort of a background thing, but that inside the vent perspective kind of undercuts it for me personally. Especially because I guess they were just trying to show that it's in the vent Mm -hmm. and like aware of them. But I'm like, we don't need it. And also like we're about to in a couple of scenes have them literally be inside (laughs) of where the vents are. Yeah, I think think what that was, was they're like Mm -hmm. cluing us in that it's inside the vent in an attempt to build the kind of dread that like, oh shit, like she's going to get nabbed right here. And it's it's like a fake out so that later when it happens, we're like, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. But I I still don't like it. Yeah, I don't like the (laughs) shot inside, but the shot outside. Oh yeah, that. that was really good. And then when she turns around, it's gone. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I really like stuff like that because it functions the way I want a jump scare to yes. function without having the loud noise. Yes. yes. And I think that's way creepier. It almost, if they didn't have that invent shot, reminds me almost of Hill House. Yeah. Yeah. I think they do that. Have very you well. seen, there's that Australian horror black comedy about the woman who's under house arrest and there's someone living in the walls? Yes, yes. I forget what, is what it's that called, called though housebound i knew it was something like lockdown or whatever (laughs) but yeah highly recommend that if you like to be scared but also to laugh until you feel like you're going to pee that sounds fantastic this is about in the episode where the second victim is nabbed teresa that scene was so extra compared to the cold open oh my my god with the like walls and the ceilings cracking or whatever i just like that she gets like the weird barbecue sauce all over her flyer, <laughs> and then the uh, her her like okay, like, can we talk? What yes. the fuck was that flyer? It the was lingerie like a, party. Yeah. What? It was like a lingerie swing dancing party. It was very strange. Okay, I don't know what the fuck. She what's lives there. an interesting life. Maybe is all I know. We are cool enough to be invited to these parties. I like, I do know of lingerie parties, yeah. but the ones I know of are all like not on flyers. gay girls who just invite all the gay girls they know and everyone so, hangs out and sips Prosecco if, in their nicest undies. Maybe there's just a scene like that in Philadelphia yeah. because if you remember a couple months into um, quarantine, people were putting flyers all around Philadelphia for a post-quarantine orgy. Oh, yeah. And oh, they were yeah, everywhere. Yeah, so maybe that's just Philadelphia's scene. Get me to Philadelphia. <laughs> exactly. It's true. Every time I've been there, they're like, this is where this founding father went to this sex party. That's not where I thought that sentence oh. was going at all. It, hint, it's 90% of the time Ben Franklin. But I all- mean, of course. Have you seen pictures of the guy? He just looks like a horny motherfucker. Yes. God, I'll never look him in the eye again. Well, I mean, you never have to because he's been dead for a really I mean, long his time. paintings. They don't <laughs> plan on afterlife. I've never seen a $100 bill. But I will say, 
the girl from this scene here is me. This is exactly how I would act in a oh horror gosh. movie. I look up and the my ceiling is literally being <laughs> ripped apart by a ghost and I run to the phone. It doesn't work and I go, ugh, I'm so out of here. <laughs> and I slowly move my fat ass to the door at like a, a slow speed, see it's locked and just give up. <laughs> yeah, she is just like, I'm good. Yeah. She's like, fine, whatever. It's like, oh, another day in Philadelphia. <laughs> I will say, after having so many episodes in a row where women are wearing white, mm-hmm. yes. I was very, very happy to see that, frankly, adorable blush pink yeah. lace top yes. with gray pencil skirt. We'll say, that color palette, that's kind of a spring palette. I don't know what you're doing mm-hmm. wearing that at this time of year. It's weird However. not to see someone in a heavy jacket. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Very true. It's like, that's the two looks. You can either wear a flannel and a heavy jacket or, like, a white moo. Nothing in between <laughs> yeah, in this nothing universe. In <laughs> nothing in between. So this is when Joe and Dean connect. The de- dead dad bonding. The dead dad bonding. Literally what I put to. What Did you actually write down word. dead dad bonding? Dead dead bonding. <laughs> yeah, that's what I wrote. It was a heartbreaking mm-hmm. scene too. Yeah. Just that he must have been proud. Yeah. That Joe says to Dean, and then Dean just doesn't answer. Right. Because, like, I mean, probably not. He never would have said it. Even if he was, as we learned very recently. Only the yellow-eyed demon will say yeah, it. yellow-eyed demon's still a better dad. Yeah, well, and the fact that, like, the first fond memory that he recalls is of his yeah. dad having him shoot a gun at six years yeah. old. Like, that, that makes me so mad. And he looks so, like, nostalgic and happy mm-hmm. about it. And, like, good for you, sweetie. But also, I'm going to beat up your dad mm-hmm. in hell. Well, what's so weird here is the way that Joe tells her story about the reason she misses her dad so much is because when her dad was there, like, her and her mom and her dad, they all felt like a family. Mm-hmm. So whereas Dean, like, that was the first moment he felt pride from his father and was looking for his father's approval. Like, Joe never had to go through that. Like, they were always a unit. And I think it's interesting, too, that, like, she's like, my way of being close to my dad is by hunting, which, like, Mm -hmm. fair, I get that. It was the thing that he did. But I would think that she would be more resentful, given that it was such, like, a happy event when he would come back and her mom would be in this great mood all of a sudden when she was in a horrible mood yeah. while he was gone and like the times that they're acting like a family are when he's not working true whereas yeah. oppositionally the times where dean felt like a real family with john and sam was when they were mm-hmm. hunting and for joe i obviously don't know how her character progression is gonna go but maybe through this episode that's kind of what she's figuring out like maybe she hasn't come to that realization herself yet Yeah, and it was interesting to me, too, how it almost feels like in this scene, her lack of a father is a blessing, not because losing a parent is a blessing. Sure. But because in stark contrast of Dean, who then only has the one parent, and it's the fucked up, revenge-seeking, abusive, at least I'm reading into, parent, it does feel like just heartbreaking all over. Like, this scene, it was hard to even listen to what they were saying, because it's just, like, too babies crying on screen (laughs) about their dead dads it was really hard to watch yeah but great job on both actors obviously yeah absolutely 
I want to point out specifically the fact that they add in the detail of Joe's dad wearing the leather jacket, Mm -hmm. too, because that's something that Dean associates with his dad. He wears his dad's leather jacket, and it comes up again at the end. Here's a theory. What if that was Joe's dad's jacket, and when Joe's dad died, Dean's dad took it? Uh, A la Spike (laughs) in Buffy. Yes. Oh, yeah. Fuck, you haven't... No. Oh, goddammit. It's lost on you. But you get what I mean, Jordan. I don't think John would have done that. I think John would have and worn it out of guilt because he's just like, let me just fuck up my emotions more. (laughs) All right. Is this when we realize who the villain is? I want to talk about H.H. Holmes. Get into it. I would it. love to hear about H.H. Holmes. Okay, thank you, because I'm very intrigued by H.H. Holmes. And also the 1890s are my favorite decade in history. So, Herman Webster Mudgett. No, no wonder he changed his name. Yeah, I would change my name, too. I don't blame him. Sorry, every Herman out there. But change your name. <laughs> <laughs> so, as a kid, H.H. Holmes was so interested in medicine Don't worry, he just casually practiced surgery on animals. Mm. Is how articles put it. I would call that mutilation. Because you can't practice surgery as a child. That's just mutilation. Right. And he was just so interested in it. And he went to med school and he got this great idea. People didn't really ask where bodies came from. (laughs) Because back then you could like sell bodies to, uh, to med schools. Like it was all a little fishy. He decided why doesn't he start taking the corpses and use them for insurance fraud. Whoa. Great money making scheme. Probably not morally great. And then the big thing is when he moves to Chicago in 1885. This is when he kind of ramps it up. So not just all these insurance frauds. He moves there and there's this woman whose husband is really sick who owns a pharmacy and her husband worked there and he exploits this and is like, let me take care of it. Her husband eventually dies. He convinces her to like sign over the paperwork, says he'll pay her and starts his business in this pharmacy. Does he eventually kill this woman? Probably. (laughs) So he got this pharmacy at least really cheap minimum but probably murdered her it is a little questionable who exactly he does murder but he starts racking up debt because he just keeps buying and buying living his life but every time that debt collectors come over he like is so fucking charismatic he like gives them a drink hangs out with them and they leave smiling with no money he's just mega charismatic And so as he's ramping up his business and debt, he's like, hmm, there's a plot across this land. What am I going to do? Let me make a murder castle. Incredible. It's this huge hotel. It's finished in 1891. And there are over 100 rooms for lodging. Some are soundproof. Some have gas vents that can kill the people. Some have like no exits, like traps, trap doors to the basement. And he specifically in the basement builds an incinerator. And how he does this, he convinces people he's making glass and that he has to melt it to such a high temperature. So this incinerator can basically cremate people whole. Hmm. And they were like, yeah, we know the glass planes, panes you're talking about can't fit in there. Seems legit. Let's just build this for you. Of course. And he even has them like come out a few times to make it able to get hotter and hotter. So he's very sus, but he's really smart about it. What he does is he hires a bunch of people to build it and fires them all the time. So no one knows the true scope of this building. 
Yeah. Or like what's hidden in there. And during this is the time of the World's Fair. So there were also a lot of workers who were like just taking odd jobs with the World's transient Fair. Transient workers. Yeah, transient. yeah, thank you. And so he has like a wide pool to choose from and he can fuck them over for money. In his pharmacy, there is a bit of a rumor around town that he's a ladies man because he is. And that he's sleeping with a lot of women. Because he'll have these pharmacists, he'll hire, like, young women to run the front, and they never are seen again. They assume because he fucks them, there's a tip, and they leave. He was probably murdering a fair amount of these people because they had just come to the city with an influx. Right. And industrialization. And it was so easy. And he would actually, like, claim life insurance on a lot of these people, too. Yes. Oh my gosh. And so he could burn the bodies. He had pits of acid in the basement that he could get rid of the bodies. Or he sold them to medical programs. So this is why it gets so tricky about how many he murdered. And it says up to 200. Some people say it's only like five. I don't believe that. This man literally made a huge building to murder people. Right. And I do think they get that vibe in the show really well. They eventually started putting pieces together and realizing it was him. So he went on the run. But he was so conniving that he went on the run with three different groups of people at the same time. And they didn't know that the others were there. He went with his current wife, the wife of the man he just murdered, and the children of the man he just murdered. And he kept them in different buildings as he traveled with them. What the fuck? So that they did not know. Well, so I want to talk a little bit too specifically about this part. The murders in this episode were specifically tied to this little bit of his. So how he killed the husband and how he was known to kill people for like insurance fraud Mm -hmm. was he would chloroform them. So they have like the smell of chloroform. Mm -hmm. And then there's actually two nods to him murdering as well. The first being the children that he traveled with. This was the first known example, but they believe he had done it before. His preferred method of killing was actually starvation and isolation. He would put people in the ground and then he would pour concrete down the hole. And so I think that's where they got the end of the episode from he did that to the children but i don't know anyone else he did that but i'm pretty sure that in this episode that was a nod to that that's fair so philadelphia is also tied to him because that's one of the places he was keeping these people but he would travel around with different ones at different times so the two children were in the end found in the basement in toronto but they were kept for a long time in philly and that's where i believe the husband's body was found in the basement The reason he was caught is because of insurance fraud. That wasn't actually insurance fraud. Like they thought because he was pulling all these scams with people who were alive too. They thought this woman was still alive that he like pulled insurance fraud with. And it turned out that she was dead. He had murdered that woman too in the end. But the insurance was suspicious and thought she was alive, came investigate, and they catch the first American serial killer that way. Oh. Yeah. So it's like, that's how fucking manipulative and smart he was, is he was able to masquerade and he was really able to use the times because in the 1890s, industrialization, world fair, there's rights of women. So women were often like for the first time getting jobs and doing these things. And so he definitely targeted women. But I don't know about the blondes thing. I'm pretty sure that was co-opted from Ted Bundy's. Yeah. 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 Because this was just like 
pretty young women he was into. Right. And he would kill other people. This is just probably has a lot more to do with maybe um, forensics coming along. But like most serial killers tend to stay in their lane. Like Mm -hmm. this is the type of people they target and kill. But he was also a massive, massive convenience killer. Yes. Which is what's weird about his case. Yeah, because he would kill his target. But then he would just kill all these other people too. Yeah. It was if it made him money or if it helped him. If you want to know about 1890s industrialization, fears and actual murderers and men manipulating women. And I think that's the biggest thing that is translated into this episode. Yeah, absolutely. Is the rational fear of men and how men kind of manipulate women. Yeah. I don't like how he's just completely brutal, the ghost, because... He's not, though. He's not, but still, if it feels like it kind of loses why he was able to do this and who he was because he was truly just this sociopath. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. I, I don't want to contradict you. I do think, like, immediately when you said that, I thought about there's the scene where he reaches his arm into yes. Joe's little cement pod that she's mm-hmm. in and just, like, is petting her arm. But the obsession with hair, too. Yeah, the hair thing. It felt like a, a man who's more fixated on uh, even sex than, like, yeah manipulation no, yeah, yeah, and getting yeah. his it's, way. It's the, like, reduction of the victim down to the parts of the body. It's, yes. it's yes. literal objectification going on there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and no, I, I agree mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. So, so it's just interesting that they, because it kind of felt like they take, like, the serial killer mold in general... And yeah. then throw this name on Yeah, him. I think that's just mm-hmm. to make it an easier, True. like, read, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, serial killers, they keep trophies, they have types, yeah. they yeah. do this and that. Like, I think that's just, like, standard TV tropes. Speaking of his M.O., mm-hmm. we briefly mentioned the chloroform, mm-hmm. which I wanted to talk about that as a really disturbing foundational character detail mm-hmm. for Dean. I don't know about y'all or people you know, but most people I know don't, uh, off the top of their head, like, recognize the smell of chloroform. Yeah. So that was a little disturbing to me. And in the previous episode, there was a similar throwaway line right at the end about roofies. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And, you know, given on top of that, Dean's, like, extreme Mm -hmm. incredulity that Joe wants to be bait for things. Mm -hmm. And the fact that we know he has been put into situations where he is the bait for things, both as a child and as an adult, like in season one, episode 20, Dead Man's Blood, a scene that was highly sexualized, yeah. much like this episode. All I like can read from that is, oh, this is some violent sexual trauma yeah. going on. Well, especially because, like, how often is chloroform going to be useful against, like, a creature hunt? Exactly. That's why I couldn't get over, like, what what demon or whatever is going to make you recognize that smell. Right. What monster is using chloroform to get you? Yeah. Um, It's extremely disturbing. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, whether or not it's intentional, it's there. It's there. There's pieces of it throughout season one and two Mm -hmm. and i think the fact that um 
we get this remark in this episode where Dean and Joe are relating so closely mm-hmm. and the monster here is one that is very sexual. Yes. I just, it's so gross. I, I like can't, it's, yeah. it's difficult for me to make words about it. I just can't believe like that people wouldn't read more into that. Yeah. Because it's just like so set up to be read into. Right. Yeah, especially like right after the other. I had that exact same thought when watching this as well. I was like, that was incredibly uncomfortable, but Yeah. yeah. And it's not the last time he'll make a remark like that about because, like it's getting ne- drugged. It's never like Sam who makes these no. remarks. I don't know. It's always Dean, it's yeah. It's always, always Dean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you have to think like someone so young mm-hmm. having been put in such a wide variety of traumatizing situations mm-hmm. already. Yeah. Like to have this kind of thing, which is, you know, something specifically perpetrated by humans mm-hmm. and not yeah. monsters is really scary, especially in an episode which is, you know, it's a ghost of a serial killer, mm-hmm. someone who was a monster before they died. Yeah. So yeah. we're really like straddling that line of monstrosity here. Mm-hmm. And pervy men are nature's monster. I don't even think you need the qualifier. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Some <laughs> offense to men. Some you offense suck. to men. <laughs> yeah. So do we want to get into the uh, scene where they are in the walls? Yep. I like that this scene showed like kind of the experience between like an experienced hunter like mm-hmm. Dean and a newer hunter like mm-hmm. Joe. Of course, we did get the like weird masturbation reference. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, yes, it was really stupid and cringy and gross. Yeah. But she did start making jokes like yes. that with him pretty early in the episode. She was like, are you going to buy me dinner because you're riding me so hard or whatever? Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's pretty even in terms of who's to blame for being cringy here. Yeah, I didn't really think much of it. I was just like, oh, that's like not even a funny joke. Mm -hmm. Right. It's just and like the delivery doesn't seem like it's intended to be funny either. He's just like, yeah. I just love the setup of like, let's put them in a spooky cramp space. This is my favorite type. Except for they're only in it together for, like, a second. There's not, like... Right. Well, yeah. it's more important that they're separated. Yeah, exactly. Not just because of the fact that she gets, ki- like, kidnapped mm-hmm. by the ghost very quickly, <laughs> but because of the fact that he's respecting her agency of choice, mm-hmm. even though he yeah. thinks it's a really True. bad idea. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's important that immediately he's like, okay. I'm a little shocked that, um. well, maybe they did and we just didn't see it, especially because later in the episode we find out joe does have a iron knife mm-hmm. but or we at least find out the knife is pure iron yeah her her father's knife turns out to be iron yeah yes but i was just like why didn't they have like a game plan for if they got mm-hmm. separated or like mm-hmm. if you get ambushed by the ghost make sure you move real quick joke and stab it but i mean that just shows i guess the experience yeah yeah I do like again the Motorola. The Motorola, the Razer phone. They just phone. made sure you saw it. That was sure the exact phone that I had. Never oh cracked. Gosh. Yeah, the silver one. Of course, she wouldn't have the pink one because she's like tough. tough. Yeah. <laughs> we finally get Sam back in the scene. I know they do like a little bit of research, but just seeing him walk around with like the little metal detector. <laughs> oh my god, that was so goofy. Oh that was so goofy. I want to know how many times he dug up like coins or rings before they found the right. Right. They're very lucky they were only working with like a small plot. 
Yes. Because, like, what oh a worthless, <laughs> like, I, it just should not have worked, but I can hand wave it. It was fun. I like fun stuff like that. Also, watching him and Dean walk down the street with a shovel and that metal detector in broad daylight, so sketchy. Right, and no one is, like, even looking at them. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, this isn't New York. No. Like, people are going to notice. Mm-hmm. Before that, though, is Ellen's follow-up phone call to be like, you lied. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. And yes, the, I'm going right. to fly out there. Yeah, that's not the important part, though. Mm-hmm. It's the, that's mm-hmm. not the first time I've heard that from a Winchester. Yes. R.E., I promise we're going to get her back home safe. Foreshadowing. And like, I, I would say it's foreshadowing like, to the end of the episode. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think as soon as she says that, if you've been paying attention, you can mm-hmm. be like, oh, I know exactly what happened. Yeah. Like, I think it's extremely heavily implied yeah. right in that moment. Like, even if there hadn't been any specific resolution or, like, dialogue to that effect, like, I think even a very casual viewer mm-hmm. And would if you didn't pick figure it, it out in 15 minutes, they're going to tell you. So True. Right. No harm, no foul. I do... Like, I understand being frustrated that he lied on the phone the first mm-hmm. time, which I think he probably shouldn't have because mm-hmm. that's getting in the middle of a yeah. parent-child squabble. That was yeah. a bad call on his part, although I have to give him props for respecting Joe enough mm-hmm. to be like, okay, this is what you want, mm-hmm. even though it's stupid. But it still feels very... Her reaction is so directed at Dean... Mm-hmm. Even before she really knows the circumstances of anything that's going on. Yeah, yeah Dina's definitely a stand-in for John yeah. in, like, Ellen's mind this episode. Yeah. Well, and it just makes me wonder, like, why she, in the previous episode, and even earlier to a certain degree, is so, like, accepting and mm-hmm. not exactly maternal, but does have, like, the adult authority figure in the yes. young person's life kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. And if she already has this attitude about Winchester's... Mm-hmm. why then accept them into her life in the first place especially like the last we had like the interaction with ellen and it was almost like a bringing into the family type moment yeah yeah we talked about that yeah. right at the end because she is like we're in this together the demon is everyone's problem so this has been my issue with ellen as a character thus far she's just very polarized all the time for mm. some reason i don't know she's just got a little inconsistent yeah I think this almost, like you always talk about, Jordan, it feels like an episode that's out of place. And I know it's not, especially with the Joe storyline, but Ellen's development and her development with the boys feels like it would make more sense before the last episode. I agree. Rather than where it is in the series. And I'd be so much more happy with the development overall of all their characters. Right. It just doesn't make sense Mm -hmm. to have this episode before that one Mm -hmm. because of Joe's presence at the end of the episode because she leaves at this one. So that's the big reason why, I think. Yeah, it just sucks. I wish I could, like, switch just the Mm -hmm. Ellen parts. (laughs) I do like that they mention that she flies out there because you Mm -hmm. kind of forget that they don't actually need to drive everywhere. Yeah. They just do it because Dean is scared shitless of flying. Planes, yeah. For real, it feels like this world, planes don't exist in. Basically, yeah. Yeah, for the vast majority of the storyline. To be fair, the last time they were on a plane, there was like an ancient evil <laughs> on it. So I get it. So as they're descending into the sewer, we have the scene with Joe and the other woman, Teresa, I think. Teresa, yeah. yeah. There are some, like, of icky parts about this episode, but at least in terms of how this episode treats women, 
I actually do think it's a lot better yes. than most episodes. Hard especially when we get the gross scene with the ghost touching Joe's arm. Like, she doesn't just have to sit and take it. She is, like, ready and able to defend herself. Mm-hmm. She's calming down. She's supporting Teresa. We have women supporting each other. Oh, women it. supporting women. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> And Joe is shown to, like, have her own agency a lot. And even though this ghost is, like, specifically targeting Mm -hmm. women, we're not, like, often shown violence against women. We actually have a woman live. Yes. Of course. Multiple. Multiple women live, yeah, who are victims of this ghost. That almost never happens. Yeah. Yeah. And because of the fact that Joe is a side character, a recurring character, and not just a one-off, mm-hmm. we spend a lot of time with her when she's being held captive by yeah, the ghost, mm-hmm. which is a lot more than we normally get in other episodes with women victims. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another thing that really amps up the terror mm-hmm. in this. I yeah. think I really wish, I really wish there was more of that throughout the series even even with sam and dean i wish yeah. there was more focus on them being caught and having to get out of mm-hmm. situations like this and can i say i like personally i'm very claustrophobic so like i really don't vibe too good with the whole like uh, i'm in this like tiny box yeah. essentially yeah. But some of those shots were just, like, really, really good at instilling, like, actual fear, which is not something yeah. that you see in this show very much either. Like, the way she, like, yeah. touches the ceiling above her and, like, the way they emphasize her only being able to see, like, the ghost's yeah. disgusting mouth as he's talking to her. Yeah. And an uncertainty about what's out there. Exactly. Because her field of vision is so yes. small. And even when they remove the camera from her perspective mm-hmm. and they keep it close to the slot where all you can really see is her eye mm-hmm. and stuff like that I think it was, it was just like really really well done I agree yeah no I definitely yeah without it. without damselizing her yeah yeah and it feels like so many times we have in the story women who can't escape and so they do nothing but scream like I really liked how for the basically the first time we get a woman who she's not capable of getting out of that trap like and that's fair but she can still do something mm-hmm. Well, and even though inevitably she does have to be rescued, Mm -hmm. she's still part of a team as soon as they get there. Like, she's still playing a pivotal role in all of that. Yeah, they're not like, oh, poor thing, go wait in the, you know, apartment. (laughs) We'll take care of this, sweetie. Sweaty. Sweaty. That's us right now. Yeah, Jesus Christ. It's like 90 degrees or whatever. I also do like that they don't overemphasize the fact that the knife that she used to defend herself was her dad's knife Mm -hmm. because you just kind of have to remember that she has it on her because there's a line of dialogue about it being like useless to her and all Mm -hmm. of the emphasis on it and like how she is identifying that artifact, that object as something that's been passed down to her from her dad. From where? From <laughs> Jordan did that in the, in the episode middle. when they showed the initials W A H and I fucking lost it. <laughs> yes, from Wah. What the fuck was I saying? That totally deleted my brain. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, right. The artifact. Yeah. 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 That's the kind of subtlety that I love to see in yes. television. That I isn't agree. always utilized very well here. Like, if, if they had been like, oh, your dad's knife after that, it would have yeah. been totally, like, cheapened. Yes. Yeah. After they get rescued, they do come up with, like, this kind of plan. How do we think about her being used as bait? 
because she makes her own decision. She even like agrees to the plan to like be bait in that final seat. And she is very heroic in that scene. But I will say as much as we've talked about, like she has been empowered in this episode. She's also her only role has been to be bait over and over again. I disagree. Really? She put the entire case together. That she is did all true. the research. She located the vent where they got the EMF. She was able to climb through the narrow space. Now, I I think, like, she had utility in every part of the case. It's just that she happened Mm -hmm. to get grabbed. Yeah, that makes sense. And it kind of felt like, I don't know, let's accept the shitty circumstance we have and use it against these terrible men. Yeah, and I also think, um, and this is punctuated by her line, or the scream all you want, which is definitely like a serial killer or like a horror villain kind Mm -hmm. of line that they would deliver to a female victim. That scene is her turning the tables and Mm -hmm. re-empowering herself out of a situation where she had very little agency. Yes. So I disagree, but that's fine. I mean, obviously... Everyone is entitled to their opinion. No, I wanted to know everyone's point of view just because I was kind of curious that the final scene we have with her is where she's being bait, but I I do also think it was empowering. In Philadelphia. In Philadelphia, yes. The ending. So it's kind of weird because this is the second time that they've um, left a creature like on exercise. And this one felt a lot more like rewarding than Hell House. Yeah. Which I I loved it. Well, that's because Hell House, they were like, ah, fuck it. I don't know. And they just left. Left, This one, they came up with a creative plan Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. seal it in place. And it felt like such good vengeance. Yeah, because they were utilizing methods he'd used against Mm -hmm. other people. And it's an echo of how his body was treated Mm -hmm. already. Yeah, true. So, yeah, it, it made narrative sense. Also, I think... Whereas the tone of that scene at the end of Hell House was very, like, what the fuck? I think we described it as makes you think, yeah. like, in a meme way. Yeah. The tone here was very light. Yes. It was. And it, it was playful. And even though I think, like, the logistics of cementing a ghost inside of the sewer, I don't really understand how that's supposed to work. But... It's just so goofy and playful mm-hmm. that I... I'll believe it here. I don't totally care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hope all our listeners know that I voted for this episode to be called the one where Dean drops his load. Well, okay. If only it was a dump truck, though. We're also heartbroken yeah. about that fact. Yeah, because then it would have been the one where Dean backs up his dump truck. But, you know, you win some, you lose some. Just a clue into our minds as we come up with these titles. Yeah. We do get the Dean eyebrow. Yeah, there's a very <laughs> oh ridiculous eyebrow in the in the side mirror Just going on. Straight up Zoolander in that mirror. Mm-hmm. Oh yes. It's his concentration phase, Jordan. Yes. He's thinking. Just oh like goodness. his sleep position is ass up and ready. What does that have to do with Zoolander? <laughs> Alex no. just like saying ass up and ready. <laughs> I meant like his concentration face is so like ridiculous and like Oh, I see. Almost planned and so is how he sleeps. Ah. I do really like the three of them posing over the dumping That was really cute. And they even, like, earlier when we had our mics off, Jordan referred to it as, like, a hero pose. It really did. The camera was was an upward angle Mm -hmm. on them and positions them as being taller and, like, all this stuff. So, yeah, they actually did look heroic. And they're so self-satisfied, too. Mm -hmm. It's adorable. I love them. Sam's standing there like, 
I did it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, he did. They wouldn't have got anywhere if he wasn't, like, a true crime freak. True. And I love how it goes from that to in the car and, like, slowly figuring out what the vibe is. That, I think, was a really good editing choice Mm -hmm. for, like, humor going from, like, that playfulness to just silence. Yeah, Yeah, and you just get Dean and then slowly Joe and you're like, did something go wrong? But then Sam's in the backseat and you're like, what the fuck went wrong? And And then then Ellen. Okay, another small thing to make everyone sad. Yeah. Where Dean was like, you really were serious about the flying thing. Uh-huh. I thought it was interesting because, again, analyzing John and Dean's <gasps> relationship, oh. whenever when he needed him and he was so desperate, John never oh, came. Oh, I so sad. would not have thought of that. Never. I just wonder of course if was... his assumption would be that a parent wouldn't show up. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's horrible. Oh, God. But sadly true. Yeah. <laughs> and I feel like there was intention in that line. Oh, no. But, oh, my God. I do love when they turn the radio on and you're as cold as ice plays. Mm-hmm. Just good little campy moment. Oh, my God. So campy. And her just stoic face as she hits that button so fast. Right. I fucking love Ellen. And I know that there are issues with her. I just love her. So, my opinion is only formed because of what I have True. up to now. I personally am not yet Team Ellen. I'm not a fan of her thus far. I like her overall. I will be an Ellen apologist. Uh, not that she's not flawed. She's no, definitely flawed. And I think that makes her like an interesting yeah. and good yeah. character. I just am a little wibbly wobbly on like I don't understand her thought process yes. all of the time. I'm like I don't I don't get you. I love when they walk in. Dean immediately is like, "Hey, like this is not an ideal situation, mm-hmm. but your daughter is really smart mm-hmm. and capable." Once again, like lying to Ellen on the phone, really not a good decision mm-hmm. to interject, to, like, place yourself in the middle of a parent-child argument. <laughs> yeah. Like, ooh, buddy. But also, I just love how much he respects mm-hmm. her ability to make her mm-hmm. own choices, even though he clearly sees her as someone who is a lot more childish than him and someone that he has to mentor yeah, that line alone, like, makes me respect him ten times more. Yeah. Because he really stuck his neck out. It didn't, it's not something he had to say by any means. Right. But it was just like, hey, this is what I really saw. You should know how great your daughter is. Right. And also, like, Dean's dad should know how great his son is, but he never had anyone to stand up for him like that. Oh, my God. God. Just laying it on <laughs> thick. Yeah, no, I mean, you know you're right. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't get to hear that kind of thing from people. Yeah. So, of course, he would be somebody who wants to make sure other people know. Yeah. I really, really like how they don't have Ellen deliver the information about John yeah. to the brothers. I think that was so well done. I think that was a great boundary of hers being like, no, this is a conversation for me and my daughter. Right. And then having Joe then deliver that to the boys. Yeah, because it's like a family matter. So it makes sense that she'd want to talk to her daughter about it specifically. Mm -hmm. All of that makes logical sense to me. And so maybe it is just like a writing thing. But what doesn't make sense to me is 
how she is ostracizing them for mm. decisions they had no control over yeah. with John and specifically making it about Dean because she's not yes. on, she's not on Sam's yes. ass about it. It's about Dean, which I I wonder if that just has to do with what she can see is her daughter's interest in Dean specifically yeah. and not Sam, but. It just seems a little bit, like, incongruous mm-hmm. with what we've been fed in previous yeah. episodes. Yeah, I just kind of chalk it up to the writing. And, and also, like, grief makes you yeah. weird and crazy and illogical. And that's but. why I think I'm an el- apologist, because I think, like, the idea of a single mom losing the husband traumatically because of John Winchester, raising the daughter, but still being involved in this life, but kind of from a more periphery. Like, it it, it would yeah. make them coming back stir kinda, up the grief. I kind of disagree because, really? for one, she's, like, in her late 50s, early yeah. 60s, I can assume around John's age. I think she's supposed to be a lot younger than that. Oh, well, she's yeah, I think she's supposed to be, like, She's a grown-ass woman, for sure. But I'm like, her husband's been dead for a real long time. Yeah. I don't know. But to me, the connection with John, having the boys there, stirs up so much that she didn't process with John. True. Yeah. But here's here's my other thing with her. Mm-hmm. She didn't have to continue to raise her daughter mm-hmm. in those circumstances. True. Yes. She didn't have to. Like, mm-hmm. she has kept her daughter's life super saturated in the culture of like these monster hunters and Mm -hmm. they even you know she's even listening in on like police scanners and putting together her own cases and then she also has ash doing similar things so i think it's ridiculous and hypocritical just like her whole act Mm -hmm. like oh this young man is gonna get my daughter killed because Mm. of hunting but if she really wanted to keep her out of it then she would have gotten her out of it when her husband died i would agree if she felt the same about joe compiling the information and doing the same role as ellen and ash Mm. i feel like that's her boundary and like fear because her husband was across that line so to her her control is keeping them in that support role Mm -hmm. i will say too she did try to send joe away it's Mm -hmm. in the state in the beginning of the episode that she wanted her to go back to school yeah Mm -hmm. and i think joe is very insistent on being in the lifestyle Mm -hmm. so maybe alan thinks like keeping her close like this is a Mm. way to but i equally see both sides to be honest yeah i mentioned the leather jacket thing around the middle of the episode i think it's very telling that in this final scene with joe and dean together they're both wearing leather Mm. dean is wearing his dad's leather jacket and joe's wearing a leather jacket herself we've been told that the smell of leather is something she relates to yeah. fond memories of her dad coming home and on top of that it's once again mirroring their mm-hmm. costuming it's just like dropping them directly in the roles mm-hmm. of their parents visually yeah. props to the costume department this episode props to most people this episode it was pretty good yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. are we ready to talk about the fanfic yep So this one is called From One Extreme to the Other. It's a five things fic, if people are familiar with that trope. Five things Joe Harville never became and two she did. It's by Dragon Ninja Airy. That's Dragon Ninja and then A-R-I. The summary simply says Joe Harville could have been many things. There's not a whole ton of tags on this. It's just the characters that are in it, basically. Mm -hmm. Ellen, Joe, Dean, Sam... 
Anna Milton is in this randomly, and an original male character. Anna Milton's from a while on. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But basically, it's just exploring different things she could do with her life, potentially. I did read this one, and I did like it. Nice. I'm glad that at least the idea of this episode was compelling enough for people to yeah. try and want to explore that. And Joe and Ellen could be explored so much. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, they're in the show for a while now, mm-hmm. still. So. For forever. <laughs> like all women. Yes, women stay in the show mm-hmm. for a long time, long always. Time. All the episodes, all the seasons. Yeah, there's never been a w- woman who died. No. Ratings? Yeah, how are we rating this episode? I really liked it. It's a good episode. I just think the um, weird underutilization of Sam mm. is yeah. what I'm knocking it down for. I thought the effects were fun, though sometimes a little hammy. Mm-hmm. I liked the dynamic between Joe and Dean mm-hmm. and the, all the parallels there. So yeah, I'm going to give it four out of five. I'm going to get out of here's. Oh, it took me a whole moment to process. What? Y'all are always using the most complicated fucking rating systems. I'm over here like four out of five objects. And you're like four out of five metaphysical concepts. And I'm like, what the always. fuck? That's the way we do it. I'm going to give it a five out of five. Oh, wow. I'm honestly surprised. I really enjoyed this. It is not racist, sexist, homophobic, at least as transparently as all the other episodes are. Yeah. I think it's really fun. I love the camp in it. I love how they bring in that idea of like humans being monsters, but in a new way. I think that was very fresh. I think they did a lot of fucking work with foils and parallels and like all of the characters to me felt rationalized. Like things they did made sense to that character. Even if you can't say in like a step back and understand it judgment way so i'm going to give it five out of five h's for hhhh homes (laughs) (laughs) what about you jasper i think i'm also gonna give it a four out of five same reason honestly i think it was a missed opportunity Mm. to not utilize sam in this episode as if sam doesn't have a weird relationship (laughs) with john that can be you know used to explore both dean and joe as characters honestly i love the atmosphere of this episode i think there are so many interesting choices made and even in the moments where i'm not as sure of a decision i don't feel like it's something that makes or breaks the episode sort Mm -hmm. of like the cement Mm -hmm. thing at the end and I just love when the costuming choices are really apparent like that. I'm like, oh, you thought about it. But yeah, I'm going to give this one four out of five clumps of blonde hair. Nice. Mm. So I guess I should guess what's going to happen next. I do think that we're not going to see Ellen and Joe for a couple more episodes. I feel like they're going to kind of leave to go process some news. Maybe they're going to get some inkling of like another special child (laughs) somewhere in America. So they'll go hunt that down and and end up not being a special child and instead being like Mm -hmm. a monster or something. That's all I got. Solid. I certainly hope so. I love the special children. What a fucking cool plot line. Thanks for tuning in to On the Road with Supernatural. Our theme music was composed by Anthony Ployhar, and special thanks to Sophia London for our logo. If you're having fun, hit us up on Tumblr, Instagram, or Twitter at OTRSupernatural, or contact us by email at ontheroadwithsupernatural at gmail.com with any questions or feedback. 
That's all for today. See you next time in Baltimore, Maryland. Bye. Bye. Bye.